On today's episode of the Indie Center Podcast, we sit down with filmmaker Raul Colon. But before we get into that, a word from our sponsors. All right, episode number 32. I am here with Raul Colon. Brother, welcome back. How you been? What's up, Lewis, man? I'm happy to be back. Um, it's been great seeing um, your channel take off the way it's been taking off and it's always great to hear from you, and it's always great to being on your podcast. Oh man, thank you, thank you. It's uh, it's kind of uh, it's a shock. I I didn't think I'd last this long. I, I I told my co-host that I think I thought like after five episodes I'd be done, but here we are, episode thirty-two, going strong, man. Hey man, you know what? Sometimes you know, you know, even with me, man, like I was doing, I was working on on a podcast as well, and you know it just takes a lot of time from you, right? Your family, um, mm-hmm. a lot of times of editing and all that stuff. So I, I totally understand, man. So it, it takes someone special to, to, you know, that's why I respect all the, the podcasters because it takes a lot of time in editing and putting it together and all that good stuff, you know, man. Hey, and to be honest, I'm not sure if you checked it out, but I think a few episodes like far in the beginning when, uh, when someone asked me, what inspired me to do the podcast honestly your podcast kind of pushed me to that point did you know that really yeah <laughs> yeah because <laughs> so uh, awesome. I mean because I, I know you so when I saw you pop up with a podcast I'm like oh shit you could do a podcast yeah. we could do a podcast like what 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 is this and yeah. I loved your insight bro like from from the vulture that's the first episode and then I started uh. backtracking and going through them but <laughs> I, I loved your insight on paying the actors, locations, yeah. vultures. Yeah. I, I love that insight from it. So I, you really inspired me to push and do something greater than, than me. So that's how this podcast formed. So well, thank you for that, man. Well, brother, man, you know, like I always say, man, you know, if you can pay it forward, man, you know, that's what this world needs. You know, um, this world needs a little bit more of, you know, people that are doing it to pay it forward and, and give other, you know, people like yourself, um, that that outlet to express your feelings on things. And, and that's where I feel a lot of people in this country, in this world that we live in now, you know, somebody expressed their feelings on something and people are, are so easy to jump on them. Mm-hmm. And, what you know, I live my life as, hey, man, whatever you believe in, then say it. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. if you don't say it now and you die, it's too late. So, Express your feelings, man. Say it like you want to say it. Put it out there. Let the world know. And, you know, it's all good, right? Yeah, man. It's all about paying it forward, you know, giving everybody this platform to, to speak out and just be themselves, you know, and say what they really feel. So uh, what have you been up to since the last time we spoke? Man, um, so much. Um, we had we had another vulture flying into the area here, so we had to get rid of that vulture. So, um no man, just a lot of good stuff, man. Um, um, I'm working on. I don't know the last time I when I spoke to you guys, I mentioned that, you know, I'm 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 gonna push myself to create a documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like my main thing was create a documentary, create something different. So that's what I've been focused on lately. A lot of a lot of commercials lately too. A lot of product videos, uh, especially with the times that we live in now, that we cannot go out or do a lot of things. I have a studio here at home, a production studio here at home that I provide services for different companies and commercials and stuff like that. So that's basically what I've been doing. Speaking of commercials, congratulations on the whiskey uh, commercial. I've seen that. It looks awesome. Thanks, man. man. That looks really good. Thank you, man. And talking about vultures, 
All right. Um, to, to give everybody context, uh, Raul made a podcast and on there, there was a vulture vulture, somebody that tried to steal or, you, you know, um, damage a, a production. And in, at this, in this situation before was somebody that refused to work with anybody because of his patience. And Ra- Raul, man, some, for some reason, like these vultures just come around. What's up with it? What's the reason for it? You know, the reason why I call them vultures are just, you know, vultures here in Florida are those those things that try to eat dead, you know, animals and just disgusting people, you know, just a disgusting animal that I hate. You know, when I first moved down here and I saw a vulture for the first time eating like an animal outside the street, I was like, that's disgusting. Mm. And, you know, people that I run into that doesn't know anything about the real film world and they try to you know, come into our side of the world in the filmmaking world and try to, you know, put rules or or try to hold people's footage and, you know, without even agreeing to things. I mean, I call them vultures because they're just disgusting to me. Mm. People that don't understand production, people that are just just disgusting people, you know what I mean? And it not only stops there, but for the people that do understand production, there's vultures out there that take advantage of the artist, right? By yeah, by charging yeah. them for services they have no business charging for. Correct. And it's it, and it's it's horrible. You know, this whole this I mean every industry has vultures, but for some reason this industry is just oversaturated with, with people wanting to take advantage of people with talent agency uh, talent agencies, auditions, so on and so forth. So it's it's fucking sad. Yeah, but it's the reality. And some of these vultures are actually gatekeepers. You know, they yeah. hold the key sometimes. Yeah, I, I, absolutely, man. I mean, sometimes that's the reason why, like, Lewis, I don't know if you noticed, but like, I'm 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 a very I'm a very um, like private filmmaker. Like, I don't work with a lot of people. Um, I try to stay, you know, to my circle as much as I can. Um, you know, just we'll talk about that situation whenever you mm-hmm. ask it. But it's like with this documentary that I'm working on, um, it's the same thing. You know, I've been going through a lot this past couple of weeks with this crap, you know. Mm. So let's talk about the documentary. So last time we spoke, you were doing uh, a film all shot on iPhone, something you've never done before. All because a fucking tw- dweeb kind of egged you on for it. Um, now you're you jumped into a cannabis documentary, right? That that's totally yeah. out of your norm. Why? What made you jump into um, it? Well, you know, like I told you, man. Like um, in the beginning of the year, um, I wanted to push myself as a director to create a documentary, mm-hmm. and it's always been a it's always been a dream for me to do one um, and to challenge myself. So I was approached by, um, and just to let you know, I was approached by a vulture. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody that was on my Facebook, um, just basically just looking at what I do. And he reached out to me and, you know, he was like, Hey, listen, you know, I've been, you know, researching you. Um, I've been following you, you know, you're a great filmmaker. Have you ever thought about making like a cannabis, um, documentary? Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? Not really a cannabis documentary. Um, but man, that sounds like a great idea. That we jumped on a phone call, and mind you, this guy never has never done any kind of production ever in his life. He's just been seeing what I've been doing and kind of like, hey, let me let me see if this filmmaker will do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I told him, I said, listen, um, you have a great idea. I mean, I would love to produce it and be the director, 
but I'm not going to just do a full, full blown production, you know, get the host, find different um, segues to talk about and just give you this for free. Like I'm not, I, I'm, I don't work like that. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not going to just hand you over a full documentary that you can do whatever you want to do with it. I don't, I don't do that. So I told them if we do it together and we do it as a team that I own a lot of it, you know, and, and, and me bringing all my sources together when it comes to production, finding people to interview, finding the host, you know, there was things that he agreed on verbally that he had to do. And there mm-hmm. were some things that I verbally that it was never said in paper or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mentioned, I mentioned to him too. I'm like, look, dude, um, you know, we're not the first and we're not the last people that are going to do a documentary about cannabis in Chicago or mm-hmm. cannabis around the world. Um, there's thousands or millions of, of different cannabis documentaries, but if I'm going to do this with you, I, I'm going to own it too. So he was like, yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Whatever. And, um, you know, when we started doing it and everything, you know, all these interviews I'm finding and, you know, Lewis, man, I know a lot of people that work on production and, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of, I know a lot of people that, you know, we can get as host just throughout the years of me working on, you know, my projects. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, months and months and months and months passed without the verbal agreement that he agreed on. Um, you know, he wasn't coming through with it. And I was like, dude, man, like, I'm just, I feel like I'm just doing everything, you know, and I'm, I'm coming out of my pocket. You know, I, I can't keep spending money, you know, either you agree on and give what you're going to agree on, or I'm going to walk away from this, you know? Mm-hmm. And I told him, I'm like, look, man, you have a week to figure it out. If not, I'm out, you know? Mm-hmm. And you know, he got, you know, he got like really like, you know, trying to, oh, this is my project. And I'm like, what? You know, like he hit me with that card. And so I backed out completely and I said, okay, you can have your project and go ahead and finish it. Go ahead. You know, I'm not going to be a part of it. And you're not going to use anything that I filmed with my production that I provided. You know, I provided full production. I provided a full host. I provided multiple interviews that I found on my own. Mm. Um, so I just told them, look, listen, man, you can have the name. That's the reason why the name changed. I said, you can have the name. You can have your idea. I mean, this is whatever you want, dude, just go ahead, finish it. I'm out. So, you know, due to me spending so many time and money and, and my production and people that times that they involved for free mm-hmm. and worked on a project that I you know, how stupid do I look in telling, you know, the host and the interviewers and all these people that we contacted and let them know it's going down the drain. I don't work like that. You know, like I'm mm. going to continue doing a project about cannabis in the city of Chicago and um, I'm going to do my own. Um, and, you know, good luck to his vulture that never done a production before. And, you know, probably trying to look around for another director or another person that's going to provide all the production that I did, I doubt it he'll get it for free. Oh man, that's horrible, man. That's a shitty situation right there. That's yeah. I mean, it's it's just a situation, though, Lewis. That you know, I put myself in. Yeah. You know, I put my my you... friends in. I put the people that I work with in, and I I felt disgusted because I you know introduced this vulture to the whole team. You know, to my yeah. team to the people that I work with and to kind of let them know that this is not going 
we're not going to work with this guy again. Yeah. I really didn't give a shit because I don't care. You know, like I don't, he doesn't take a talent from me. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm a talented person. I create what the fuck I want to create when I want to create it. But the fact that Um, you believed in it and you invested into the project thinking that he was going to come meeting you halfway. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's the thing It's like, let's say this, um, Louis, let's say I go, Hey Louis, I have a great idea about a, about a podcast. And you go, man, really? I never did a podcast like that. I'm like, listen, let's do it. Verbal agreement. Let's um, let's get it together. Let's do this. Let's do that. Next, you know, you don't hear from me. I'm not coming through with the verbal agreement. You're working mm. your ass off. Your people are waiting for answers from you. I mean, how? I mean, you're talking about months and months and months of this guy just ghosting me or lying to me. And that's one thing I hate, you know, Lewis. In in this industry, is liars. I I I despise liars. I've been lied to a lot of my life. Mm. Um, and I'm not, I just didn't want to go down that road anymore. So what I did before it went to a bigger, you know, longer process of us filming, I just cut it short. Yeah. That behavior is cancerous, bro. You have to, you have to cut it off. It's like a production is a body, right? If you have a piece in there that's cancerous, you have to cut that shit off before it, you know, migrates to a different part of the body. Dude, and let me tell you something. It took me, it took me like weeks, like to really think about this, right? And I, I was sitting down, and I said, "What the fuck am I doing?" You're I said, what the old fucking fuck? cologne, bro. And, you know, and it, it's, not, it's not even like that, Lewis. You know, like, <laughs> what the fuck am I doing? I'm like, I am providing production. I'm providing questions and finding fucking dispensaries, finding people that are are politicians. I mean, I'm connecting people. I mean, I've connected so many people in a, such a small amount of time. Mm-hmm. You know, even music artists I'm involved in here. I mean, you're talking about music artists that you that you hear on the radio. You yeah. know, and I've I put all this together for a dude. You know, a vulture that 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 just has a a a, a dream of someone creating this. And I'm like, dude, I'm doing everything you ask me to. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm asking you for help, you should fucking jump because you should be fucking. You should be a privilege that I'm fucking even working with you. You mm. know what I mean? Like, like you have you. I'm not a regular filmmaker from the city. You know what I mean? Like, I, I I'm established. I've worked yeah. on the films. I, I've I've won film festivals. I was you know nominated for Academy Award. I mean, I've done my 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 work. And and for yeah. me to take this on for free and for him to be kind of a fucking asshole, Fuck I was like, that. nah, yeah, and exactly how I felt, bro. And one day I woke up and. I told them, kick rocks, take your idea, do what you want. Talking about all your accomplishments, bro. Um, I want to say congratulations on Room 13. Oh, you man, thank you, man. You hit fucking 100K, man. And and it's 100 real K, right? I mean, you It's 100 a lot of... real K. Right now, I'm looking yeah. at your numbers. There's 101,568 views. There you go, man. I mean, fucking you, well. know, you know what, man? I, I, always, I always want to say this. You know, I always give thanks to my cast and crew i you know i know this movie was my idea and it was a dream that i had and i just started writing it and 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 cool i i casted the the people and we shot it and big shout out to streeter Illinois, um bill and sarah that let me film in all their locations there but you know i i owe it all to my cast and crew mm. um i mean ellen's times i mean we worked a whole day from five in the morning to three o'clock in the morning, driving back to Chicago at five in the morning. Like it was a long day. 
Oh, and you know what? Brutal. I it's it's been a great accomplishment, man. I I'm very very honored um, and and to work with such a great cast and and my my executive producers and my producers for it, man. Like they everything that I asked for, they did it, and it's like it's amazing to have a team like that. You know what I mean? Like I just need something and they got it, you know? And, like, it, and it's crazy that your team is a reoccurring team. You're right. Yes, Everybody you're, yes. you're mentioning, right. It's not just a one film thing. You must be doing something right. If they're following you film after film, after project, after project. Yeah. That... You know what, it, you know what it is, Louis is just the respect, right. Mm. Is the, the respect. And this is one thing that I say, if I ask you to do something and I say, Hey man, can you, you know, film with me this day can you help me out and that person says yes and shows no up question all my respect if that person says yes and don't show up and don't pick up then you will never hear from me again and mm. that's where my team always worked Charles, tj uh, my executive producer and i'm basically all my films i can call him today and say hey i'm i'm going to chicago tomorrow i need you to rent this i need you to purchase this there's no, there's no questions asked is, Hey, all right, let's do it. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like no problems. Cause he believes in my talent. He believes that we're going to do something great. Um, you know, even talking to him about room 13, like just hearing his voice and how proud he is that we hit a hundred thousand mm. views, like just to hear him being so proud of that, that that's what we do this film for is to, you know, we had 100,000 people watch our film. We had 547 people comment. We had 915 thumbs up, 208 thumbs down. Mm. And it's, just, it's great because, you know what, it's endless, right? I mean, this, this movie's going to be here, you know, when my kids grow up. And, and they, they watch and say, wow, look at that. Dad's film's on here. Hopefully it encourages them to be filmmakers or an actress or an actor, you know, or, or just encourage them to do something positive in their life. That is fucking awesome. And, and thinking about it, it just popped up to my mind. I see like projects and like, like your filmography as a diary, right? Like years from now, when we're all dead, right? When, when you're gone, um, your daughters will show, your daughter will show her kids your filmography and they'll be able to see what, you know, you were feeling, what you were thinking. I think that's Absolutely. fucking awesome, man. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's that's the reason why I do this, you know. I, I do this because I love it. And I do this, you know, now for another reason is my child, you know, and, and I do this because I love it. You know, I I don't just do this to show it off to my girlfriend or my boyfriend or you know, or hey, look at me, I'm cool, I'm a I'm a filmmaker. Like I don't care about that. I care about creating something cool, passing it down forward. And hoping he, you know, hoping he to you know, inspire a young kid from Chicago that, you know, was raised in the area I was raised in Humble Park and do something positive in their lives. So I I have a question. You were mentioning your likes and dislikes. Do you read the comments? Because yeah. I'm looking through your comments and you have over 500 comments. Do you look through yeah. those shits and, and do you fight back with the trolls? Yeah. You, you know what? I, I You know what, man? I have a like a little template that I try to respond to everybody. Huh. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a real believer that if you respond to some of these people, you either can get them as a subscriber and you can even get them as a fan, right? Someone that's now, like I had a girl that dog, I mean, completely dogged me out on this film. Uh. And 
I wrote back to her. I said, listen, um, thank you so much for your comment and your feedback. You know, we, we were just starting there. We're all learning and hope to get better. Thank you so much. When I, when I sent her that, she wrote back and said, I am so sorry. I, I didn't think you were going to write back. Apologies. I'm going to delete the comment. Um, I, I'm just sorry. I didn't know you were going to read this. And I said, no, it's, it's fine. Please leave your comment there because looking at your comment will help me make better films. Mm. And, and that was it, you know, and she subscribed to my channel. Now she's one of my, like, she loves all the stuff that I do. So, oh, that's awesome. You know, it's, yeah, man, that you know, sometimes awesome. you just gotta, you have to respond to it. And, you know, if I have time, I would. And, you know, if things get busier, of course, you know, I'll have, try to have my staff, you know, reach out as much as we can, because I think engagement with your fans are a big thing. I think a lot of, you know, one thing, Lewis, man, you know, where I I get really upset with this whole film and music industry mm. because the fans are the people that make you. Mm -hmm. The people that are buying tickets to go see you play, the people that are buying tickets to see your film, mm. those are the people, the actors, directors, and people need to pay it forward to. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like all this money of being millionaires, who, how did they get there? Of course, they had their talent got them there mm. but if the fans are not paying for this like what are you doing it's like for instance right now they're asking baseball players to take a pay cut because there's no baseball being played is it is that for all the sports because i heard for nba too is that is that just well, baseball? I, I i heard i heard baseball this past week but again you know you see if, if it shuts down what are you doing all that fame and all that you know stuff that you have don't mean shit window yeah you're a regular person like me and you so people and actors, baseball players, all these people that are doing things need to really realize that some of them that don't, they need to pay it forward to the fans and the people that are supporting their craft. Oh, that's beautiful. So do you think by you responding to that negative uh, comment, do you think you shape the way that she thinks about art now? I like, mean, absolutely. Like, absolutely. Uh, like the way I see it is... All this time in her life, she just saw projects and judged them. She didn't care about the people behind it. She didn't care about the sweat and tears that were put behind it. But by you commenting and saying, I appreciate your comment. We're working on it. We're, we're you know, we're starting off. Like, that would fucking shock me if I were to, to say something bad about a song, right? That That's millions and millions of views and, and you know. Uh, downloads and if i trash that song and if that artist were to reach out to me personally that's accountability 101 bro like i think yeah by you doing that you kind of shook her and said hey behind these projects behind these videos that you see we're real people be careful yeah. what you say because we have feelings too I think you yeah. I think you humanized her aspect on, on art. That's fucking beautiful. No, yeah, absolutely. And I think that if I would have went back and forth with her and said, Hey, F you and blah blah, like where that would have got me. Right. Yeah. Like where where that would have got me. I mean, I don't I, I don't I hate confrontations. Um I, I hate to like bash people, like I don't do that. So I just you know, said thank you so much for watching and you know, hopefully we can, you know, impress you with another one. And she just reached back and she was like so apologetic. And now she's a follower, you know. So that is awesome. Stuff, so. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So to get back on track on the Green City project, who's a part of this documentary since the vultures out? 
So the Green City Project, um, it's going to be a documentary, um, of course, about the legalization in Chicago. Um, but we're, I'm going to I'm going to have a little twist in it. Um, I'm going to a lot of it's going to be just, you know, talking with different artists in the city, talking mm-hmm. to local politicians, um, you know, talking to just everybody that wants to talk about what's going on in the city of Chicago. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, especially with the cannabis. So we have um, a lot of people that are confirmed. Um, we just to tell you one, we have Ma- Chef Manny that just won um, a Netflix show. Um, it's called Cooked with Cannabis. Yes, Manny um, Mendoza, episode, episode six. Yes, yes, yes. I love that so show, he, man. Oh, yeah, man. he he's gonna be on the documentary. Um, he's confirmed. Um, so just a lot of people, man. We have some local politicians in the city that I, I actually knew personally that they're aldermen. Um, for the 40th ward mm. um, and you know just just a lot of people man we're going to fly out to LA we have a couple of actors out there that are from Chicago I don't want to you know take take off the mask of Batman yet um, yeah, yeah and kind of can kind of say what's going on but yeah we're gonna do that we're gonna connect LA with Chicago um, and just man dude like watching you see the poster to this thing is just beautiful man it's it's a lot of great um different ideas and and again like you know i I ask a lot of my team like hey man what do you guys think what do you guys think we should do here so there's there's a lot of different avenues we are going a lot of things are on hold right now um due to COVID 19 um so we're just kind of holding off but i am not stopping i have been in contact with all of our people we're interviewing next Mm. i've been in contact of of some people in l.a um, I've been writing down just, I mean, I, I still been working when like my production team and my host and everybody's just kind of at home. And what I'm doing is kind of getting things done in the back end. Oh man, that's awesome. I can't wait to see it. Is there an uh, anticipated date for it? Um, man, not really dude, due to all the stuff that's going on. Like I wanted to get this done by this winter, mm-hmm. um, holiday season. But due to all the stuff that's going on, um, L.A. is going to be closed down for three months. Chicago is still shut down. Um, a lot of a lot of people that we're interviewing are kind of like scared a little bit of, of like in contact with people. Yeah. So we're kind of just playing it by ear right now and kind of, you know, I say this, man, my 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 team, my producers, my, you know, host my production team, they come first, you know, fuck this film shit, fuck this documentary, you know, my, my, the health of our team comes first. Mm -hmm. So once they feel comfortable and all this shit blows over, then we'll go back and we'll do what we have to do. But at the end of the day, man, their, their safety comes first. So with the COVID, how do you think this would affect the film industry? I mean, I think it's going to affect it big time um, because there's not nothing filming right now um but there there is a lot of things that were filmed years ago or a year ago that are a lot of the editors are probably catching up you know um and actually in the studio because they can be in the studio at their house or at warner brothers and they can be you know kind of going you know editing or doing whatever they have to do so i think no it's not going to affect um uh, I think a little bit, man. I don't think that much. I think it's great for filmmakers like myself mm-hmm. that I, I'm I, I'm already 
I say, you know, the 25% in on my documentary mm-hmm. that when I'm done, I know a lot of companies are going to be looking for content. So I think that's going to be good for independent filmmakers that are creating things that, you know, Netflix, Hulu, all these people that have these distribution um, streaming services, they're going to be looking for content and they're not going to care if the shit looks like a million dollars. You know what I mean? Mm. I th- I think so, that I think that this is a a good time for people to like you man like you're you're actually doing a stop motion mm-hmm. picture as well in the midst of all this shit. Mm-hmm. So I I think yeah. it's I think it's a great way for people to learn different t- you know uh skills, a skill set acquiring new yeah. things. You know, yeah, I think absolutely, it's awesome. Man. I I started doing that too um because I'm at home and I'm with my daughter at the time cuz her daycare is closed. So yeah man, I mean I just started, you know, freaking you know challenging myself to do a stop motion film right now i'm actually i say 95 percent done um i just haven't really got my foot wet yet with editing on it mm. because so much stuff been going on and um but yeah uh so who how did that happen because i mean stop motion is really fucking tedious i had a episode with uh caleb Kurowski. he did uh stop motion mm-hmm. and i've watched his films it's it's so tedious moving little you know the little figurine little by little by little by little. How yeah, how is that? I mean, how is that for you? It's it's hard. It's a lot of work. Um, you know, you when when you're working on stop motion, every step that you do for these toys, you move them little by little, and you're taking literally taking pictures step by step, step by step, step by step. You can take 70, 80 pictures on just one figurine and you're moving them four or five fucking inches. Um, that's what it's ta- that's what it takes, you know. So you you have to be patient. Um, and you have that's the reason why it's taking me so long because I want to make sure it's right. Mm. And I don't I just don't want to put anything on there and just be like, hey, you know, this is it, you know. I want to make sure that things look good on it and you know they look professional is there a a part of your project that you found the most frustrating or difficult that you didn't know before entering stop motion i mean yeah especially with stop motion um i feel that you have to have the proper lighting um especially if you're doing a green screen um green screen i never worked with green screen before and it's very if it's not lit the right way, your 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 background is not going to come out the way you want it to. Mm. So I say the you know taking the pictures of these figurines and moving things around is not a big challenge to me. But the challenge was lighting the green screen and making sure the green screen is lit up the right way. So I had to like purchase a bunch of new lights and purchase a bunch of new things just to make it look good. Mm. So who's a part of this project? Did you have any uh, voice actors going? Yeah, so I got, of course, Enrique Guzman, mm-hmm. uh, my brother, uh, my compay, the godfather of my child. Shout out Re- Enrique. Um, yeah, I got um, some guys, some, some of my buddies here from Florida, Joe Carter, um, Phil, um, this girl named Gabby that I work with, and I got Dago from Chicago as well. Um, and basically, and me, I actually, it's my first time on one of my projects, um, you're going to hear my voice. So 
Oh, pretty, really? Is this is it your, yeah. your, first, uh, your first shot at voice acting? My first shot at being in one of my projects. So I play one of the guys in the Jets that fly by and I miss my target. So I'm like, I miss my target. <laughs> Dog one, I miss my target. You know, so it's just, it's, it's just funny to me, bro, because I just to hear my voice, I go, man, I sound so fucking stupid. <laughs> so you do, have you stayed up all night practicing that? God, I missed my target. I missed my target. Yeah, like, not re- you know what? Not, not really, man. I, you know what I did? I watched Top Gun mm. and I was listening to how, you know, when they were flying and kind of the words they used and all that. So I kind of educated myself so I won't sound dumb when people hear it, but I think I just sound like a fucking dumbass. <laughs> you know? I, can't, I can't wait to but, hear it, man. I can't wait. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really funny, man. Like, it's really cool. I think that a lot of people are going to um, laugh at it and, and, you know, kind of enjoy it, man. That's that's all we do it for, man, is for people to enjoy it. Man, that's awesome. Since it's 95% uh, done, so do you have a anticipated date for that or you're going to sit on that until? Um, you know what? Um, shit. Um, man, I mean, it can, it can be done any day. I just haven't really got into it. Um, I am gonna, I, I, I'm, I'm saying like in another, say another month I'll be done. Um, there's a couple of music of music that some people are doing for me to, to finish it. Mm. Um, but other than that, yeah, man, I'm just basically just kind of holding off a little bit because of the the music licensing and all that. Got it. So, um, have you been? Have you heard about the verses on IG? How two legends come up and they and they start battling each other with their catalogs? Yeah, I'm curious. What two directors would you put head to head with their catalogs? Ooh. Um, that's a good one. I say Quentin Tarantino and Marcus Corsese. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's yeah. good. And and I think I think Marcus Corsese of Beat 'em by Landslide, but um I think that, you know, Quentin's my idol, right? That's like like jo- like Kobe looked up to Michael. Mm-hmm. I look up to Quentin because Quentin never went to film school, you know, and he He's a fucking person that don't give a shit what people think. He don't care what they if they like it or not. He just creates what's in his mm. mind, and he'll tell you to go fuck off with your heartbeat. <laughs> and that's the kind of filmmaking that I like. You know? Yeah, he's so like unforgiving. He doesn't give a fuck. He really doesn't. Nope. I love watching his interviews. I one interview that stands out is when he told that reporter to shut the or the interviewer to shut up. Like I'm not dancing to your tune. I already said that. I'm not going to answer yep. that the way you want it because I already said that. I have 20 years worth of interviews. Look yeah. at that shit. I'm not answering again. Yep. That's it. I, you it, know? I, I think it's really hard to put film directors head to head. I mean, because every film director has a different like flavor, bro. It's like, if, we, if you think about it, like Quentin Tarantino are, and Martin Scorsese are like so different. Like hip hop. I mean, it's hip hop. They rap, right? Uh, but like... Uh, like Scorsese, nothing but a t- you know Italian influenced uh, films, you know, and fucking Tarantino with the spaghetti westerns and all the bloods, it's it, that'd be interesting. That'd really be interesting. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting. I mean, I think like Scorsese is one of my you know directors that I look up to, 
because of all the films he's done with De Niro and Al Pacino. And like, if you see a lot of his films, like he has the same circle, like what I do. I was just about to say uh, that. Yeah. It, yeah. And the same thing goes for Quentin as well. If you see Quentin, he always uses, you know, Michael Madsen, a good friend of mine. Um, he always uses, you know, just the same circle because he knows that if he tells them to do A, B, and C, they're going to do A, B, and C. They're not going to do D, F, and W when, they're, when, when he's directing them, you know? Mm-hmm. So he knows that people are going to follow his directing style mm-hmm. and people are going to listen to what he says. So that's the reason why a lot of these directors, they work with the same people because a lot of these new actors don't listen. You know, they go on set and some of these actors think that they know more than the director. And that's when some of the film, you know, sometimes I'll go good and sometimes I'll go bad because when you let a actor do what he wants, sometimes I'll come out better than what the director wanted. You know, that's the reason why there's, there's a quote that Scorsese says, and I will always implement that in my films is you have to let the actors fail. You have to let, you have to give them a chance to fail because when they fail on the way you're directing them and they create something that's not in your mind, but the, the audience love mm. it, then that's magic, right? I mean, it's like, for instance, when I was talking to Michael Madsen, he was telling me he was on set of Kill mm-hmm. Bill and he took his own, he was wearing a hat because Michael Madsen, he, he wears like different kind of clothes. Like it's just mm-hmm. weird. Um, he'll wear like a cowboy hat, you know, on set. And Quentin Tarantino tells him, hey, don't wear that when we're filming. Do not wear that hat. I don't want that hat on there. And Michael was like, all right, no problem. When they filmed it, it was like three in the morning. I guess they're seeing when he's he's um, he's burying uh, Uma Thurman alive. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's burying her, he's wearing the hat. So he he either forgot, but talking to Michael, he said, fuck that. I'm going to wear my hat. <laughs> it looks better. When Quentin yell cut, that's a wrap. And he played back and he's like, He's fucking wearing a hat. God damn it. <laughs> Next you know, the hat is iconic. People are like, yeah, he's the one that wears the fucking cowboy hat. Like, people love that. And to this day, when when Michael go, went to, a, like, the Kill Bill, um, you know, premiere, he, I think, you know, people were asking him about the hat. Like, they loved it, you know? So sometimes you got to give the actor some space to kind of create too, mm-hmm. but kind of stay in their lane and know that, Hey man, this is what we're trying to, we're trying to accomplish, you mm-hmm. know, but you have to give the actor a little bit of space and let them create what that, what they see in their mind. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. And at the end, I mean, actors are creators as well, not only the director. So if yeah. you guys go work hand in hand, Absolutely. you guys can create magic and history in the same time. Yeah. It's like, you know, some, some, some of the actors that I work with, in the past, like, you know, Blaine, like Blaine is a, is an actor that he, he, like, I can give him a script and he'll kind of do, do it his own way. Mm. Right. And that's cool. But sometimes it's just a little bit too much. And I'm like, yo, really back, 
go read the script, go ahead and, 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 and go what I'm telling you to go with because what you just did didn't look good. Um, and you have like Enrique too. Enrique, I'll give him a script and he laughs because my English is not the best. <laughs> so he kind of puts it in a better format, mm-hmm. you know? So those are things that, you know, you work with um, that you just have to, you know, as a director, those are things that you have to navigate and 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 coach when you're on set and make sure that you know the actor is is happy with you know the opportunity that he got. True, that's right. And um, this this is this is pretty funny. If you Google Michael Madsen Kill Bill, the first thing you see is is, is the fucking hat. Did you know that? Tell you that. Is, there you go. If you go yeah. through images, every single picture is of him and his in a cowboy hat. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, this is coming straight from Michael Matz's mouth. You know, like I had dinner with him and we were just we were talking and I was like, hey, you know, can you give me a couple stories about Quentin Tarantino? And he's like, well, there's a lot. <laughs> um, but this is one that, you know, kind of stuck out to me. And, you know, um, oh, man. It, was the, it was the whole hat. It was the whole hat situation that he said there was this you know, a little back and forth because Quentin didn't want the hat on set. Mm. So <laughs> that's funny. That's Isn't that crazy. Yeah, and he made he ended up making history with it. I mean, the hat, yeah. the hat is infamous. Like it's it's part of uh, film history now. That's awesome. Absolutely, and and that's and that's the great thing about film, right? You just give that actor a, t- a, a chance to showcase his talent. I mean, there's there's it that happens in the world. You know, even building a house, right? Sometimes you'll say, "Hey, won't you just put the backyard like this, right? Or, or, or put a pool over here. You're gonna love it." And the person goes, "Nah, I don't want a pool here." Next, you know, he's like, "All right, let me put a fucking pool here." Next, you know, he's like, "I'm happy I put this fucking pool back here because I can, I can get in and I can do this and that." You know? Yeah, that's awesome. Sorry, man. No, you're it's my daughter. You're good. You're good. My kids are, my kids are here running around too. So I'm not sure if you hear them in the background. So what's next for you uh, for 2020? Um, I'm really focusing on this documentary right now. Um, that's my main focus. Um, I kind of like took a little couple months off due to, you know, my daughter being born. And, you know, I promised my wife that I'm going to just not be flying a lot. You know, I fly a lot for NBC right now, um, for the golf channel. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I, I'm, I am flying a lot with work, so I didn't want to do that double the time when, you know, my daughter's just, you know, an infant and I wanted to help my wife out. So, um, this year, man, I'm more focused on the documentary, mm. uh, making sure that gets done. Um, uh, and you know, let's see what happens. I think we got a good one here. I think we have a great interviewers. Um, I think we have a great concept of kind of educating the young youth, educating the parents in Illinois, um, about the whole cannabis being legalized. Mm. Um, a lot of parents think it's bad and, uh, you know, they think that now, you know, oh, well, my kids can find, they can buy cannabis whenever they want. No, lady, they could have, they could have bought it easily a long time ago. Yeah, and cheaper. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, especially with, I, I'm a really big believer that, you know, you have people that smoke weed mm. or cannabis um, or marijuana, wherever you want to phrase it, because I've learned that saying marijuana in the cannabis world is pretty like blacklisted. Really? Um, yeah, because the whole marijuana, you know, my, my mom is very Spanish people, very, you know, from Puerto Rico, and she hears marijuana and she thinks it's a bad mm. thing. 
But a, a lot of people don't understand that. Let's say for let's say you for instance you let's say you're you start smoking weed right mm-hmm. you start smoking pot and you you know you're trying to buy pot the right way and make sure it's not sprayed with fucking rat poison or 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 just gr- is is grown the wrong way mm-hmm. or you're buying something that's not is not right right and you're putting it into your system and you're smoking it because you bought it from Tony from the block or. You bought it from Ralph down the, the street. Mm. You know, you're buying it from a dispensary that grows everything the right way and everything that you're having is all natural instead of buying it from someone that's just trying to make money and trying to duplicate what they have with rat poison or spraying it with something that shouldn't be in your body. Mm. Um, that That's the reason why I say, you know, the legalization of cannabis in Chicago is great. Um, I think it's going to bring down, you know, a lot of homicides, people trying to buy weed and they get robbed or people are walking away with weed in their pocket from the person they bought weed from. And they know they bought weed from them next, you know, they're robbing them. Um, things like that, man, I think it's going to help the city out financially. Um, I think, you know, I know people sit here now, the people we interviewed and they're like, well, you know, they're taxing the shit out of it. And, you know, I think this, if you're smoking weed, right, mm-hmm. you choose to do that. That's not something mm-hmm. that you have to do. You choose to do it. It's like smoking a cigar for me. I choose to smoke a cigar and I can pay for it because I have the money. And um, that's something that you choose to do. It's a hobby. If you have the Hello? money for it, then you could do it. If you don't have it, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be doing it. And I think that for the people that need it, like medical patients, do it the right way and go through a doctor and get your medical um, cannabis mm-hmm. um, ID, right? That you now, it shows that a doctor said you need cannabis to help control your nerves or your sleeping arrangement. Um, and it's the same way, man. And I really believe that people need to understand that, you know, you can't abuse cannabis because you just want to smoke it and be and feel like you're high and you're cool i mean you should smoke it because either you can afford it or Mm -hmm. you know you need it um and that's the way i see it you know um and i i i you know that's the way i see the whole cannabis thing is like you know if you do it man i mean all praise to you you got the money for it you know you do it you know you got it but if you don't have the money for it your focus is should be getting a job and making yeah, sure you exactly. can it. Exactly. And I think with the whole uh, cannabis being or yeah, cannabis being taboo, I, I and now it's being mainstream, I think with this documentary will definitely help uh giving a better understanding to the background and, and the benefits of it because people will just fixate on the high. I mean it has a lot of beneficial benefits to it, to your body. So I think this documentary is definitely needed. And I'm excited to see it, man. I'm, I'm really excited. You know, what's, what's crazy, what's crazy um, about it, too, um, we're going into um, re-interviewed um, a lady mm. called Natalie. Um, she owns a hemp. Um, it's all hemp, so it doesn't mm. have THC in it. And this episode that we're doing is called Hemp versus Cannabis. And a lot of people don't understand that hemp is not, I mean, it's it's cannabis, but they extract the mm. THC from it. So you don't get high. So the hemp 
does a lot of things. It helps you sleep. It helps you, you know, focus. It helps you do a lot of things, but it doesn't mm. get you high. Um, and a lot of mothers and kids and people don't understand that hemp is different to regular marijuana. And um, that's one thing that I want to educate people. You know, like you had a Chicago police officer um, arrest this kid that had, I think, was a, a couple ounces of hemp. And hemp is legal mm. in Chicago. And now this kid been through the system in, in Cook County and was processed and was labeled a person that mm. had cannabis. And it wasn't cannabis. It was hemp. So my main goal is to make sure we educate the law enforcement, educate the moms, educate the kids, educate just everybody that there's different ways and, and different things that they can do and, and the city can really benefit. Definitely, definitely, man. That's, that's horrible to get arrested for some shit you don't have. That, and, and, and being a kid, exactly. that's, that, that's shit right there. Yeah. I mean, I, I say, you know, he wasn't a kid kid. I mean, the guy was, you know, he was a young, young, you know, he was a, like 18, 19 or some shit like that. But, you know, to me, that's still, you, you're still a kid, you know? Um, but he, yeah, he was arrested um, because the cop didn't, couldn't, couldn't identify if it was hemp mm. or marijuana. That's, so, yeah, there's training for that shit. I mean, that's wrongful arrest. I'm pretty sure that cop doesn't have a job. If not, I mean, I hope he got in trouble for that. It's not something you can walk away from. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's, it's hard, right, for the cops too, right? Because my, my brother's a, a Chicago cop and I know it's, it's hard, right? In the heat of the moment, you pull somebody over and it reeks like marijuana. So you think right away, oh shit, this is marijuana. So where I want to make sure we're educating are the, 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 the mayors, right? We, we educate the system of Hey, make sure that you give the proper, um, the proper kit, the mm. proper information for these law enforcement. Um, can let you know how they test for coke. Let me see if this is coke. They put it in a little crushing bag. The color turns blue. You're fuck. You got coke, right? You go to jail. The system before this shit was illegal, before marijuana became legalized in Chicago, those are things that should have been in place. To for law enforcement because at the end of the day, the law enforcement people are the ones that are going to be dealing with this situation. So they should have educated, or I don't know if they have, and that that officer didn't know, but they should have kits in their squad cars to check because now it's mm -hmm. legal in Chicago, right? People are smoking. Do I went to Chicago a couple months ago and I smoked weed all over the place, um, and I think that you know if they want to really like enforce you know how much you can have and all that stuff and enforce what how much we you didn't have to have a procedure and that's the reason why we're creating this so we can have share a light on you know on that's that. fucking awesome bro that's really cool and like i think with every project yeah. i mean you're paying it forward like with here you're paying it forward with education and resources for marijuana that would bet or cannabis sorry Fuck, I don't want anybody to attack me. But, you know, you know, just releasing this film, you're <laughs> teaching people, you're teaching people something. So that way they could carry it on and, and, and yeah. teach that lesson to somebody else. Do you have any special shout outs? Um, yeah, man. I mean, you know, shout out to, you know, my wife, of course, you know, always holding me down. Shout out to my daughter.
Shout out to you, Lewis, for always, you know, constantly creating different podcasts. And, you know, shout out to um, my cannabis um, documentary staff, um, you know, their, the production team, you know, Danny, Lion, um, Gino, uh, TJ, Pedro, all the people that are involved, you know, and a big shout out to Gabe from B96 that we interviewed as well and gave so much great information mm. um, about his uh, his take on cannabis. So that's just another name drop in there that who we have. So we have a morning host, um, B96, um, Gabe. Um, yeah, he's one of my brothers. I grew up with him um, on the documentary. Um, he's, you know, shares a light on how he thinks about the, the cannabis being legalized in Chicago. Um, and it's great to have someone that the young you mm. look up to. Um, and they listen to him every morning and doing such a great job for Chicago and young people. Um, and, you know, I grew up with Gabe, so me and Gabe go way back. So I'm happy that he's a part of it. So that's just another person that we have. That's awesome. Shout out to Gabe, man. I remember listening to B96 when I was younger. But like like in the 90s, uh -huh. it was like Eddie and Jobo. That was my shit. <laughs> Yeah, well, just to let you know, Gabe was um, Eddie's really? intern. Um, yeah, he was their intern um, for years. And then he got the job as a producer, Gabe, for um, the little Filipino guy. I forgot his name. He's a DJ. Um, oh, what was his name? I forgot his name. And then he worked with Jay in the morning. And then... Now he got to wow, um, and on B96, the station that he was an intern yeah. on that's fucking awesome, man. Yep, and and you're talking about when man, like before, um, Eddie and Joe Jobo um retired, mm. I mean, he was with them, so he got a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge. And um, no, that's awesome, man. Radio. Shout out Gabe Ramirez, man, from B96. Uh, brother, thank you for jumping on. Uh, we had. A great time. I you taught me a lot. Now I know never to say fucking marijuana anywhere again. It has to be cannabis. Yeah, bro. Do not just say cannabis, bro. I, I learned that. I learned that really quick talking to a lot of industry people um, with cannabis. Uh, with you know the whole dispensary. Um, a lot of people that talk about you know marijuana are like oh, <laughs> no, 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 say that word. You know? so, That's awesome. But thank so, you for coming on, man. I can't wait to see your projects. I'm looking forward to the to the Green City project, to your stop motion, and, and just everything that you have moving forward, man, because you have an amazing eye, and I love your drive, man. I'll see you soon, okay? If you enjoyed this week's episode, please make sure you hit that subscribe button to stay centered on all Indie Center podcast episodes. If you are an independent creator and have a story to share and want to have a sit down, please email me at indiecenter.podcast at gmail.com. That's indiecenter.podcast at gmail.com. If you have sponsorship inquiries, I'd love to help local businesses. Please email me at indiecenter.podcast at gmail.com. Until next Monday, guys. Peace.